This Merrill Hodge edition of the Sports Gambling Podcast is presented by MyBookie.ag. Sports are back, and MyBookie is now offering a 100% deposit bonus when you use the promo code SGP. Plus, deposit this week and get a free $10 NBA future bet. That's MyBookie.ag, promo code SGP to play, win, and get paid. We're also brought to you by the leaders in daily fantasy, DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code SGP to get a free shot at millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code SGP to get a free shot at millions of dollars with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Finally, we're brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay per head providers and they make it super easy to start your own sports book. Plus, Ace is offering up six weeks free over at aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash S. G P. Hi, this is Merrill Hodge, and you're listening to SGPN. Let it ride, baby. Everyone to the sports gambling podcast. I'm Sean stacking the money green with my partner picks Ryan. Real money Kramer. What's happening, Kramer Dog? Football. We're just gonna keep doing the football. Football is football. here. Football. Football is here. Knock on wood. And uh, what better way to have a football is back podcast as we ease back into football than to than to interview Merrill Hodge, a true football guy. We're gonna be getting to that. In a second, but before we do, welcome on third man in the booth, aka Pick Dundee, aka Colby Dan, aka the Dantabase. What's up, guys? Merrill Hodge, tenth round draft pick out of Idaho State, representing the Big Sky yeah, I, Conference. You know, and my favorite part is reading through the interview prep stuff when Colby throws in the random nugget, <laughs> the random college nugget. Love the, Vandals, the Big Sky. Right? The Lo- no, no, no. Vandals oh. is Idaho. Oh, Idaho I'm State sorry. is the Bengals. The bang. Yeah. Oh, that's very confusing. The yes, Vandals and the, the Bengals. Like Bengal Tigers. And I believe Boise State. Yeah, Bengal Tiger. Like Boise State was in that conference back mm. when when Merrill was at Idaho State. Oh, but it was a different time back. It was then. a different that was, time. That was pre CTE. Pre CTE. No CTE here. Yeah, no CTE. As, as we'll find out later. Yeah, we hit on uh, we hit on everything with Merrill. Got a lot to talk about and a breakdown coming up in the interview. But before we get to that, shout out to mybookie.ag, presenting sponsor of the podcast. They're back. Live wagering is going on. NBA is back. If you're listening to this podcast, NBA is happening. Get those uh, NBA live bets in. And of course, use that promo code SGP, 100% deposit bonus, and that $10 free NBA future bet. Maybe toss it on the Sixers to win it all. There's no no road games. What could go wrong? When does that expire? Sean? Yeah. Can you can you get it? Like uh, you, it just happens, huh? Have you? I, had, have yeah. You? I don't know. You have to check check the expiration okay. date on that. I'll but read the fine print. Mybookie.ag yeah. promo code SGP. I, I mean, I got mine in well, already. T- you know, win some money over there, and then go to Magic City, that strip club in, in Atlanta. <laughs> Try their beautiful buffalo wings. Only go for the food. Well, it's been it's it's pretty hilarious. So <laughs> the Lou Williams thing happened. He said he was just going there to pick up food. Everyone instantly <laughs> made fun of Lou Williams. I think we did as well in our NBA is back gambling preview. Which make sure you check that out. Uh, all our like early, uh, you know, for opening night, second night, opening weekend, basically picks. Even throw out a uh, DraftKings DFS lineup, but. Uh, and now ever there's a bunch of people defending the food and there's a Johnny Manziel said the best chicken wings he's ever had in his life was for magic city. And there's like different people like doing, he's really credible. Uh, he's really credible. You know what I mean? Well, when it comes like, to eating at strip clubs, I think that is one of Johnny Manziel's wheelhouses. Yeah. He's the Anthony Bourdain of strip club food reviews. And I, I was, I was actually talking to my wife randomly about a this bit of last a rebel. night and I go, they're sharing photos of the food and it actually looks really good. And she's just looking at me like, what the fuck are you talking what? about? And she what? goes, how would you know if wings are good I mean, just by the photo? I'm like, as a wing kind of sore, 
you don't necessarily know if they're good, but I can eyeball yeah. a chicken wing and I have a pretty good idea whether it sucks or not. In the same way with pizza, you can see a photo of a pizza and yeah. you know whether you definitely know if it sucks. There's, Sean, uh, am I, I right? Get it. You come for the wings, you stay for the thighs. <laughs> Lou Williams, the first uh, guy at Magic City, yeah. not a breast man. Yeah, Dude, that, <laughs> what? white meat? Get that shit out of here. Give me the dark meat. Let's go. The dark thighs thick, and thick legs. Thighs. Oh man. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, kudos again. We've been throwing this out there, but how the NBA hasn't pivoted to allow a strip club Put to the enter the bubble? Put the strip club in yeah. the bubble. Yeah, yeah. It's just simple. just make it happen. It's just, just good science. It just makes sense. Really proud of that joke. That was a good joke. Just thought it, was, it right now. It was. That's their new slogan. Magic City. Come for the wings, stay for the thighs. <laughs> that is pretty catchy, Kramer. Before we get to uh Merrill Hodge, don't we didn't get we didn't ask if he was a breast guy, a thigh guy. All I know, true football guy and uh, some great football chat. Before we get to that, shout out to DraftKings. DraftKings, you can become a Draft King. We just put out our how to win the millionaire maker podcast. Tons of fun tips there with uh, Adam Levitan of established the run. Check that out. But if you're hearing this now, still a chance to get in over at DraftKings.com. Use that promo code SGP to get a free shot at millions of dollars up for grabs with your first deposit promo code SGP to get a free shot at millions of dollars with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. minimum $5 report. Re- Deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. But basically, Millionaire Maker for yep. the NBA. We give out lineups for the Millionaire Maker NBA contest in our uh, NBA is back podcast. Which, if you're listening to this, you're probably hearing. You probably already have seen the tweet on Twitter about how Ryan Real Money Kramer has taken down the million in the Thursday night contest. <laughs> but there is another Friday night. Yes. Millionaire maker. I, 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 have we ever seen back to back millionaire back makers? to back Ooh, millionaire two makers, $2 million. And uh, while we're talking basketball, perfect time to announce we have a well, new breaking news, please. Breaking news. Oh, we have a new NBA gambling podcast feed exclusive home to uh, NBA gambling podcast <laughs> content. Ryan rich rat, baby McKee is going to be doing a daily NBA podcast from the bubble. Check that out. Just throw in NBA gambling podcast in iTunes, Spotify, and subscribe Sean. to that rate review. I think you could be the uh, maybe one of the early Raiders in mm. reviewers, and we'll throw this out already. The best early review will win a uh, SGP hoodie. Ooh. That's up for grabs. And if that wasn't enough, the soccer. The soccer gambling podcast, our boy Billy Bahate from across the pond, is launching his own soccer gambling podcast feed. And again, just open up iTunes, Spotify, throw in soccer gambling. You can't miss it. La Liga. La Liga. Das Bundesliga. EPL. CPL. Well, wait, Colby, do you want the La Liga show? Because we haven't greenlit that one yet. We're only going with the EPL, the Champions League, and Das Bundesliga, Colby. Here's the exciting news. Champions League starts less than a week from when you're listening to this podcast. And the Soccer Gambling Podcast is the only place to get Billy's Europa League preview, Europa League picks, Champions League preview, Champions League picks. And by the way, unlike these American sports like football and basketball that take these long off seasons, soccer right back at it. The EPL starting again in September. There you go. You're get excited, your kicks Colby. and get your picks. Oh, I, oh wow! Oh wow! Kicks oh. and picks. <laughs> I love you, it. What have you been doing, Colby? Well, I, I think it's uh, I think it's Merrill Hodge's uh, inspirational chat no. with Colby, which we'll get to. Well, that's the last thing we should make sure we remind people. Yes. Breaking down. Uh, I I don't even know where we are at this point. I've been slowly getting them out, but uh, we're up to Oregon. I think dropped last night. Yeah, but there's the there's there's other. The next one that will drop is Oregon State. Colby, I think you've wrapped up all the Division One Power Five teams. Yeah, uh, tomorrow I'll be recording Air Force and getting out there. And, and uh, yeah, so next up, Group of Five. There we go. Let's do it. As I've uh, I've touted uh, at some point, we will return to two days. I but, can't wait. Uh, yeah, you got to get to the finish line now. You heard what? He, do you want to be common or do you want to be uncommon? Merrill, Champions <laughs> locker room, Colby. This not losers. Merrill gave room. me that pep talk. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to. Uh, All I mean, right, come on, let's do this. Let's get to it now. 
Joining us on the line, former Steelers running back, now author, motivational speaker, NFL analyst. He does it all, Merrill Hodge. Merrill, appreciate you calling in. My pleasure, guys. Good to be with you. Yeah, and it's it's good to talk to a fellow uh, football guy. I, it, it looks like training camp underway. How excited are you for the season to get started here? Yeah, I'm. This, I, uh, I'm optimistic. So I uh, I like the energy that comes with. Um, I don't know. Listen, I think most people are kind of like this. You there's that moment of you stuff. I'm so used to it. It's commonplace. I'm ready for it. And then and then I start thinking, well, listen, the last five or six months, everything keeps shifting day to day. So I'm like, I can't get too excited that, <laughs> that, um, that a bump in, in the road, I'm sure there's going to be some bumps in the road, but let's hope that, um, with the time they had and they have a variety of contingency plans that, uh, and you know, the, uh, the NFL does a, a really good job of being on top of these type of things in front of them and prepared for them. So as best you can with, you know, uh, such a new environment and an uncertain one, but you know, talking to players and I'm close with the Steelers and stuff they're doing, they, uh, they're ready to move forward. So um, let's hope that uh, we get to see uh, opening day, September 10th. Yeah. Knock on wood. Everything, uh, everything goes ahead as planned and everyone stays safe out there talking about the Steelers. Like you said, I, I watch a bunch of your, uh, your tape videos where you're grinding some tape there, breaking down uh, all the Steelers players. I know you were pretty excited when they drafted a uh, chase Claypool. What can the, what can the Steelers expect to see at a chase this season? Well, listen, I think it's going to be a challenging time for all rookies. Um, and I'm just going to use, you know, my own experience um, from many camps that I went to you're learning. I mean, every the environment is completely different. The professional environment is a detailed environment. What people don't really ever understand the field is even different and people don't understand that because people go, Oh yes, it's the same. I go, no, actually it's not. I mean, dimensions. Yes. But when you look at the hash marks, the game changes in college, the hash marks are much wider and they really the college game they're played on. They play on the perimeter in the national football league with those hash marks being narrow, the game is played in the middle. Um, and my guy is as good as your guy. We're in college. My I'm usually better. Oftentimes, you know, in a lot of these, the big school cases, they're better than everybody, you know, nine out of 10, nine out of 11, 12 times. We're just better. We're going to show up and win. That's not how it is. In the national football league. That's why, you know, having a, a detail in your craft and your profession is so important. And the better that skill set is will help you transition. So, you know, they've had to do everything virtually. Now this is really probably the people or players that, have high IQs and have real intellect about the game will have the advantage. Um, but the disadvantage is not being able to actually run it and execute it um, and make those mistakes through mini camps so that you can kind of get rid of a lot of the mistakes before you get to training camp are going to be a part of it. So Claypool, the thing I like to get into the point that I think gives him an advantage to play and be a contributor is when you study him in college, he played everywhere. He played in the slot, he played strong, he played X, he played Z. He played strong and strong side of the formation, weak side of the formation. Um, he's a he's a really good detailed route runner. He has a nice subtleties to his route running and why that's important, which is vital for anybody to have those things. But a guy who has speed oftentimes in college is like, I'm so fast, I'm just gonna run by you. Yeah. Yeah, and don't so need they a good don't route. Use, yeah, and so they don't really harness or work on those things which he has. And I know a little more about him personally than most. Uh, my nephew was, uh, went to Notre Dame was at the same class as Claypool. So he played at Notre Dame for a couple of years with Claypool. And so I know a lot about him as a character person, like the kind of worker he is, and, you know, he's a good guy. He's a good kid. So, and he's work, he's a worker and he's willing to do things. And he, you know, that's important. I know that's just so important in having that combination. So he has, he has that uh, combination, which is helpful. So um, yeah. will there be a, a was it going to be a harder learning curve for all these guys? Absolutely. Cause they just didn't get to actually do stuff for several weeks and have a good feel. Um, now camp is going to be a little longer, so they'll surely get a little more opportunity there. But um, I think with his IQ and his details, I just mentioned, give him an advantage to contribute 
and this not hurt him as much as it may hurt somebody else who's not as detailed. Uh, maybe they haven't been that cerebrally, um, you know, focused on the game. And that's when you get in trouble in the National Football League because it is a it is a smart man's game. And yeah, you and you would for one second. You would think a kid from. Uh, yeah, sorry. You would just think a kid from Notre Dame in a season where intellect is is probably valued more than most seasons. A kid from Notre Dame kind of has a has a head start on the, on the rest of the competition there. Talking Steelers, a disappointing season last year. Although they still got to eight and eight. I mean, Big Ben going down certainly made things tougher on the offense. He's getting up there in age. I mean, certainly not an old man, but by NFL standards, getting up there. What and he's coming off an injury. What can we expect out of Roethlisberger this season? Well, you know, he and I went on a a wolf bear hunt in Idaho around Whoa, really? April. Um, yeah, March this year, and um, yeah, we were actually talking on the plane ride home. I mean, because listen, when we were there, we were we were going from you know sixty five hundred feet to eleven thousand feet. So you got to be in shape to do those kind of those kind of hunts. Number one, um, he and he he blew through those mountains, so he's in he's in great shape. Um. But something that I was talking to him about that no, you don't wish whatever happened. You wish you could do this. I never registered in college. I played all four years. I went right to the NFL, started, and then I played another eight. And I'm, what I'm getting at is if you could just get a break, like a year off, just to really recover. I go, actually, things, when players have done that where they've been hurt and they've had to miss a year, it has given them a really a chance to physically recover and be refreshed. And then the back end or the back nine, they have more gas in the tank. And as much as this, he didn't want the injury injury. Nobody wanted the injury. I mean, yes, he has, he had to have the surgery aspect, which he believes, you know, even though it's the, no quarterbacks ever had this done before. So there's is some uncertainty, but based on his gut and how he felt and how refreshed he felt, I think is ends up being a positive. Where you could think at the end of the last year, if he has to play all year, he might go, man, I'd have a year or two. Whereas now he's a little more refreshed. I think there's more energy there. So it might be three, four, five oh, because yeah. of that year off. You know, so uh, I think, you know, sometimes the worst thing in your life can end up being one of the best things. And um, I, I can testify that I got diagnosed with cancer. Nothing is was more devastating in my life than to hear that. I call it the dark days of diagnosis. However, probably saved my life. So I can look at, you know, things like that that happen in life. And I'm sure people are listening to you can speak to that. So um, it might be one of the best things that happened to Ben at a right time in his career to give him even more on the back end. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe ends up extending his career. You touched on uh, your, your cancer diagnosis. I know you, uh, you had a battle there uh, going at it with cancer and then eventually now you're cancer free. And it kind of ties it into your uh, re-release of or second edition of your book, Find a Way. And uh, is that what launched into motivational speaking as well? Um, actually, it did. I, I actually was sitting in the chemotherapy chair. Um, a good, a dear friend of mine. He was the director of what was called, well, my the foundation. I'm the chairman of the Caring Place, which is a grieving center for families who have lost a loved one. I lost my mom as a young kid, so I understand the sting of death. I understand the turmoil I can send a family in. And we have a foundation in Pittsburgh, Harrisburg, um, Erie, and the North Hills of Pittsburgh. So four centers in Western Pennsylvania to help families. And um, when I was in my chemotherapy chair, um, the director of that foundation, Charlie the Valley, uh, I was sharing with him how Find a Way has inspired me to live a dream originally. And then they became the words that helped me try to fight to live. And how the journey started when I was age 12, and I was just sharing with him a lot of the details of it. It became a parenting tool for me. Um, it, it really evolved in my life. And he's like, you need to write a book. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, he, we had a film crew going that day. And I really believe we were, I thought we were documenting just in case I don't make it. You know, I have stuff for my kids because we did like a bunch of interviews because I, I was in the chair for about 12 hours. And things that my kids could reflect on that I was thinking about as they grew, if I didn't happen. I, I remember I turned to Charlie. I said, Charlie, I'll write that book if I survive. Okay. I'm not worried about a book. I survive. I'll write your book. <laughs> well, a year later, this is Charlie LaValle. This is the kind of man he called me. He said, remember that promise you made? <laughs> he called you on it. 
Yeah, and I was like, no, Charlie, okay, I, 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 if, if I write a book, my, every teacher that I had in high school, junior high, and college is going to be like, how in the world did that dude write a book? Hodge <laughs> is writing a book? <laughs> Meryl Hodge, like, the author? Like, okay. Hey, listen, I, everybody's listening. If, if I could write a book, that should give everybody hope. Okay? <laughs> you should <laughs> well, confident uh, that you have the ability to do such. Some of our listeners, but, I don't, I don't think they should be writing books, Meryl, but I, I appreciate <laughs> well, the, I appreciate the inspirational sentiment. Well, I'm just, I'm just telling you this. Um, now I, I write a second edition because ironically that book was written over 10 years ago, roughly. And I never had my open heart surgery. When I mentioned, um, save my life, cancer, saved my life. My last pet cat scan, which you do every six months, for five years after you get done with treatment. So it's about a seven year window at the last treatment. I'm waiting. I got, I always had anxiety when you're waiting for that call. Okay. Even though you're in your fifth year and you're like, what's the odds now? But they're like, there's always an odd to give you. I have a saying, do you control your mind? Does your mind control you? It is these things I've had in my life that I have learned how to control my mind because your mind can really run away from you if you want when you're sitting there waiting for a call to confirm or, you know, to say you're clean, you're positive or negative. So my doctor called up, he goes, Meryl, you're cured. And I, I just, when he said that, I was like, you don't have to do that again. And then he throws a butt in there. And I'm like, oh, but what? He's like, well, he goes, you know, your, your aorta looks a little enlarged. The Oh, you got no. reading the scans, thought y'all would get that looked at. And so I don't even know where the aorta is, to be honest with you. I said, I go, what's the aorta? They go, that's your heart muscle. I'm like, no, what's I've been working out my whole life. Of course my heart muscle is bigger than I guess I don't know what he's looking at, right? I'm like, <laughs> trying to say I don't got a swole so, heart muscle. <laughs> so now now I'm like, this guy, these guys don't even know what they're talking about. Whatever. Okay, so he's like, Oh, I want you to follow up on it. So I follow up on it for two years. Once okay, and nothing changed in it for two years. And really, what it was is it's almost like this: it's like a bubble in the garden hose, okay? And the bubble in the lining of the wall of your aorta—if it's the same thickness of the rest of your lining—it's really not. It's probably a birth defect. However, these are common. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger had this. Um, they have it a lot with power lifters, people who really push themselves too far and too hard. Well, if you had I, so it's probably self-inflicted. So I probably, I could tell you a dozen times that I, I remember one time in college, I was running these repeat 400s and they would check your pulse when you were done. And I was 225 one time. Like that, that, that athletic trainer had me on the, he's like, yo, my gosh, he goes, we got to get, calm you down. You're 225. I'm like, I, I, it, people who don't know your maximum heart rate should be 220. <laughs> so that, that, that's at a young age. Okay. So, and I wasn't like 18, 19, but that being said, it was probably self-inflicted, but anyway, several years go by. Um, nothing really had changed in it. I kind of forgot about it. And my gut one day, I mean, I've been working out, I do these intensity programs. And every time I got done with those, I, I just, the weirdest feeling would come over me and just, it, it weighed on me so much. Eventually I called my doctor and I said, Hey, listen, I got to have that. I want to do a stress test. That's why I asked him. He's like, why? And I'm like, well, I haven't done it for like five years. And I do like to validate myself. I am not a normal guy. If I have something wrong with me, I go to the doctor. If I hurt something, I go to the doctor. If I got to have a checkup, I go get it. I lived in the training room. Now, I never missed a practice or never missed a game, but I wanted to take care of myself, and I wanted to know what things I could do to make myself better all the time. I've always been like that. So he goes, well, let's look at that aorta. And I was like, oh, that's a good idea. Long story short, they do the stress test. They do the echocardio on it. They send me to a specialist. I won't, I won't bore you with all of that. I get to the specialist. He, I must have had this smart aleck look on my face. He's like, you know why you're here? I go, yes, because I got the, I got a bigger A order than everybody else in the country. <laughs> He's like, yeah, well, let's take a look at it. So he throws my screen up. I see my heart. He said, you see this red here? And I said, yeah. He goes, that's really good. He said, you see this blue? And it was going another way, right? He's like, your heart's leaking. He said, you see this line right here, this flat line? I said, yeah. He goes, that's really good. That's what we want. And then he said, see this line at the top? And there was this huge bubble in it, right? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, that's not good. <laughs> he goes, that's probably, he goes, that's probably at about a, about a, hey, he goes, you got to get that fixed. I said, well, how do they do that? He said, open heart surgery. I was like, man. I, I'm telling you, I said, I mean, I've already been told I had cancer. I just sat back in my chair and just went, no way. 
I was thinking like, no way. And there's a different feeling. You know, when you tell you have cancer, there's a, uh, not articulate enough to describe it, but it was the darkest day of my life. And that proceeded for a couple of weeks because there was tests and exams and a whole host of things. The open heart thing was um, a, a little different, but it was final. You know, like once you pick that date to go, because they wanted to admit me. Let me go back to the other side. He's like, this is like two centimeters or two, whatever their numbers were, beyond where we like, where we consider open emergency surgery. And I was like, well, I can't go. I ain't going in there today. I mean, my son had just went to BYU as a freshman to play football as a quarterback. I was going to, and his first game was in Nebraska. I was going to go see it. And I was going to watch his first game. I go, I got to talk to ESPN. I mean, season's about to start, blah, blah, blah. So I put it off for like seven weeks before I did it. Um, they told me I'd be out six weeks. I was out five days. Oh, wow. Was actually, uh, uh, Friday I got out of the hospital. I worked out, uh, the following three days later, I flew to Canada to speak, which my doctor didn't know that, but I flew to Canada. To speak, oh man! And he, he cleared me. He cleared me that um, four days later to go back to work. So I missed, I missed two weeks of work, but they said I'd probably miss six. And I was like, so, uh, I, you know, I had, let me go back to there's, I asked the doctor, I go, well, how would you find that out? And they, you know, they, I told them how they found it out. You know, they, with the pet cat I was doing to see if I had cancer. It's a very detailed scan of your body. Most people never have to have that done. Most people don't do that unless you're looking for detailed things. So I said, well, how would you have found that out? He said, probably in your top, you're probably in your autopsy. Oh, geez. I was like, yeah. He's like, he goes, that's a widow maker there. He goes, you don't find those out. And if they rupture, if you're lucky enough to be in front of a hospital and a person next to you knows exactly what's going on with you and knows exactly what to do, there's the only chance you got to survive. Yeah, you got it. I was like, holy wow. cow. I was like, so, you know, um, that's why I say, you know, cancer saved my life. I, I'm probably not having this conversation with you guys if we don't, if, uh, if I don't have cancer. Yeah. And that is a true medical. I mean, that is the fact. That's amazing. That is, that's, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not making that up. I'm not, you know, exaggerating a little bit. That is honest facts. I'm, I am probably not here. Yeah, I mean that's crazy. I you know on a much smaller scale, I had uh, I had skin cancer on my back. I had like a mole uh, that was melanoma, and the only reason I found it was freshman year. I I had gotten like a cough, and mm. uh, you know I didn't think anything of it, but I I went and like you went to the doctor, got it checked out, and the nurse was doing the stethoscope on my back and saw this mole, and this was you know, Pennsylvania, January, so I it it must have happened previously from some sun exposure probably my senior trip to uh, Cancun and just getting burned being an Irish guy. But yeah, like the fact that I got that cough and that cold and went and got it looked, yeah. looked at, she wow. found it. Well, so what's um, the moral of the story? Go to the doctor, Yeah, go to the doctor, <laughs> please. Now yeah. the, I'll say this to you. I try to tell people all the time. Here, here's the two greatest things that everybody has, no matter what you might be in fear of. Cause I know nobody wants cancer. Nobody wants open heart surgery. Nobody wants to be sick. Nobody wants any type of virus surgery. I get that. But there are two things that you you have at your disposal that if you use, the odds of you whipping everything that comes your way are significant. And that is first, investing in your health, staying in the best shape you could possibly be. That's you know how you eat, how you train, how you rest. That is a vital component. We all have that responsibility. That's 100% on you. And you can't make excuses for it. I understand everybody has different genetics, but there's still no reason to not invest in your health. So you do that. You're in optimal shape. And then two is the earlier you diagnose something, the better chance you have of beating it. So, you know, that's why you go to the doctor. That's why you do exams. And that's why you follow up on that. You know what I mean? Don't, listen, you can be tough and smart. You know, you don't have to be tough and stupid. You know, being tough and smart is like, I'm going to be tough and I'm going to go to the doctor. I'm going to make sure I'm okay. I'm going to make sure that I, you know, if I got something wrong, I'm going to get it checked because it's something really bad and we get it early. Versus late, the chances of me winning and beating it are significantly higher. Yeah, early diagnosis is is huge, especially with uh, that kind of stuff. Now, now you've kind of gotten into the uh, motivational speaking game. We're a we're a small business owner here. Got a got a small little crew. What would you as a as a business owner trying to inspire the employees a little bit? What would you say to an employee who had like a really daunting task? Say taping 130 episodes of a college football previews. <laughs> he's hitting. He's hitting like the second half. He's uh, he's getting there close to 100. Maybe hitting a wall. Needs a little inspiration, a pep talk. What would what would you say to that employee? Yeah, yeah. 
He's probably on this call right now. So, uh, <laughs> <we're> Correct. Gonna... <laughs> I, here's what I often do with people um, that where's your focus? If your focus is on, oh my gosh, I still have 30 more to do. Um, that tears you down and that wears you down. And there's, there's no production in that. Whereas if you focus on how am I going to get the 30 done? I've created a plan. I, I give you, I use, I like to use sports a lot. There's, there's a quitters locker room and a losing locker room versus a champion locker room and a winning locker room. And if you go into the language is the same. Okay. And then you look at a quitters locker room, a losing locker room. You usually hear the, you hear these things, not usually these are, this is what exists in that locker room. They point fingers, they cast blame and they make excuses. So if you're in that environment and that is what you're doing and that's the mixture that you're dealing with daily, you're going nowhere in life. That has never solved anything. That has never accomplished anything. That's a recipe for failure. Now, if you walk to a champion locker room, a winning locker room, the language is much different. First thing that any champion does, any winner does, successful people do, they first self-evaluate. They make that a priority. They self-evaluate. They make changes and corrections if they need to be made. They create a plan, and then they take action. And if you could take, and I go back to, do you control your mind? Does your mind control you? If you want to wander in a quitting locker room all day long, you, I can guarantee you where you're going, nowhere. If you go to the other locker room, and that is what you use daily in how you try to finish the next 30, and you're focused on that type of uh, that type of action and creating a plan and uh, driving your energy and thought process to finishing versus oh, I got 30 more, I got 30 more, you know, you got a great chance of finishing and being and finishing strong. So you help people with the type of mindset they're creating. What are you focused on? What are you thinking about? Where's your energy going? What type of action? do you have and where are you where are you sending that you can pretty much tell you where you're going to go just by that yeah um and the great thing about that there's not a person that can't do that that's a choice you got a choice what locker room do you want to step in sean I which locker room do you want to stay in yeah it's a great point i had a shout out to rich mcgriff high school track coach he used to call it finish line fatigue the second you start thinking about where you got to get to you're not going to get there as fast and, and yeah, I think Colby, that was some great motivational speech. You, you, <laughs> can, do, you can do this. Yes. Merrill's got me ready to run through a brick wall. Merrill, you played for two hall of fame coaches, uh, Chuck Knoll and bill Cower. Did, did you kind of pick up that mindset from those coaches? Well, I will tell you this, um, Chuck Knoll. Um, I tell people all the time. I am a product product of a lot of people, people who have challenged me, people who have inspired me. Um, Chuck did both. He challenged me and inspired me, but Chuck, pro Chuck challenged me. He gave me one of the greatest challenges I ever had that widened my scope that changed my career. He took me from, he, he challenged me to do one thing that took me from being a, a, a part of a team to a starter on a team for nearly a decade. And, uh, it was actually the Friday before our first practice, our first game that I was going to ever play in, in the national football league was against the San Francisco 49ers. And they were supposed to win the Super Bowl. They had won it before, and they were supposed to win it again. Joe Montana and Jerry Rice are coming to town. So we were having, you know, this is going to be a, our measuring stick. You know, what kind of Because we were young. You know, all the Steelers and greats were gone. Aside from Mike Webster was still there, Donnie Shell and uh, John Stallworth. But, you know, it wasn't the 70s. And we were, we were learning how to play, a bunch of young guys. Um, by getting the hug, one thing I know about Fridays that exist to this day in Friday's practice, when in, you get to the team, that is really your script for Sunday. So the one thing you do not want to do is make mistakes. You want to be sharp. You want to, you want to be clean. Um, or they just don't put up with that. I mean, I've seen guys get cut by making the same mistake in the same day and get cut. And then they go away in a white van and I never see them again. I'm like, I remember going, I never want to go away in the white van. Cause you never see those people again. <laughs> it almost, almost sounds like a horse when they put it down. It's like, no, not the white <laughs> van. All right. So and I get in the huddle and uh, they call a play and it's a pass play. So I'm going through my pro my 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 assignment. I got to check linebacker. I run a flat route and then obviously I'm like you know I hope the quarterback throws it to me. We always want the ball thrown to us. Snap the ball. Linebacker drops. I run a flat route. Ball goes to the other side of the field. The wide receiver catches it and he's running. Whistle blows. Merrill, what are you doing? Okay, I've been in Pittsburgh four months roughly. Um, I don't know everything. I do know one thing. 
Chuck Knoll has never stopped to play and asks you what you're doing. If you're doing it right. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my. And so I'm thinking the linebacker may have blitzed delayed. I go, that's not good, but he wasn't. I, I, I located him right away. I knew he had dropped in coverage. I'd run the right route. I'd done a thousand times, but when he asked me what I was doing, the ball was on the other side of the field. I was just standing there. So I told him, well, nothing. He said, that's the problem. He said, I didn't keep you on this team to be a common football player. He said, I'm going to call somebody we just cut, bring them back here and do what you just did. He said, I'm going to do you one better. Sunday, I'm going to pull somebody else stands and do what you just did. I didn't keep you on this team to be a common football player. I need you to be uncommon. Go help your buddy. Go over there and help him. How do you know if somebody doesn't hit him, hit fumble? You'd be there to recover for us. You can't do that standing there. Better yet, he breaks a tackle. You block the safety. We score a touchdown. You can't do that standing there. Go help him. Well, I got back to huddle. Um, I remember being humiliated. Um, practice finishes. I go in my locker. And then I start really walking through what he did to me. Like he didn't say, hey, Mer, I need you to be 6'3", but you're 6'1". He didn't, he didn't say, I need you to be 250, but you're 210. He didn't say, I need you to be 4'4", but you're 4'6". He said, I need you to do more on every play than you're doing. Now, I'm going to back up before I leave the huddle. If you'd have said, Merrill, do you do everything possible on every play that you can? I'd have said yes. And really, from my perspective, I did, I thought. He widened my scope to more that I should be doing and could be doing. That I really never ever looked at, really, to be honest with you. And it changed my whole way I approached my craft. I looked at different ways to help every play. I, I can't even tell you. I would bore you guys to death, which I'm not going to do that. I could give you every game I ever played. There was one or two plays that were uncommon plays where I was going to the ball or going to start some because he challenged me and I developed that habit that made a difference in a game or helped us win a game or made a difference in a drive because I would height. I created that uncommon approach. Um, and I've, I've never forgot that. I, uh, I, I look at it my, in today, anybody can do that in their own craft. You just, sometimes you got to sit back and okay, what more could I be doing here? And sometimes we don't want to hear it. You know, you get offensive, your ego goes like, Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. But if we sit back and go, well, I could do a little more here. I wonder, you know, how I could do that differently, you know, and be open to some guidance or counsel, a way to do things better and more to make it better. I just can help us. You know, it, it changed my career. It, um, it took me from being a part of the team to a starter um, for nearly a decade. And that habit alone changed everything. Sean, I gotta so be I'm honest. Grateful for that. I'm, I'm gonna, uh, Mer Merrill. That's great. That's I, I love that. I'm gonna steal the uncommon terminology for when I'm on the pitch with my youth soccer teams. Of coach, I <laughs> coach some girls, and I love that un uncommon. Are you a common player, or are you do you want to be an uncommon player? I really, I really like yeah. that. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take well, that see, with me. Let's say, uh, you know, you, you coach youth sports and young kids. Now, I'll give you another thing that could help. But see, that would yes. be good because that helps maybe expand a child's vision of things. Now keep in mind, I, this is a parenting tool I've used my entire life. I made it a coaching tool. I used it at ages eight, nine, 10, all the way through youth sports, professional sports with a league I started with Mike Sherman, but it's really applicable in youth environment. All my coaches, I'm like, guys, we coach in the yardsticks of their years and not ours. He'll give us two things at all times, patience and perspective. So what I mean, when this child at 10 years old is struggling to understand or do something that we at 35 are telling that 10 to do, they're 10, you're 35. <laughs> See how that 10 year old may look at this. Okay. Forget your 35. We know you see it differently. How does that 10 year old see it? If we coach in AR six of their years, not ours, we'll have patience and perspective. And it'll help us with the teaching. It'll help us with our communication. And guess what? It's going to take some frustration off you. Okay. Because they're 10. Okay. They're 11. They're eight. They're seven. However, and it's about them and it's not about you. Yep. And yeah. if we do that in youth sports, it just makes it. Uh, here's what the goal is. Don't you, don't you want your girls, your kids, your boy, whoever you're teaching? 
to love what they're doing and say, man, I love doing it. I like playing this sport. I mean, they have to be great at it, but they, as long as they get better at it and they loved doing it and they enjoyed doing it, that's what's so sad right now. We're, we're taking kids out of sports and activities and it is so vital that we get our kids moving and that they're part of activities, not just for the overall physical health, but the mental health of stuff, the growth that comes from that, self-esteem and confidence, all yeah. the things that they're developed with sports that are so important. Yeah. Sounds like I got to have a personal conversation <laughs> with Merrill about the coaching. Yeah, no, it's really, it's a, it's a huge bummer at the current state. Like a lot of momentum kind of just got killed and uh, yeah, oh, but man. I, I, lo- I love those messages. They, they really are uh, hold true. I mean, and the saddest part is when you see coaches that just can't see that and they just they make it such a horrible experience for the kids. Well, yeah, and and I I coached uh, my brother's uh, football team. And, oh, wow, here we go. And want to get was, it on a party? No, Sean? no. I'm just saying it was it was an awesome experience. I think youth football is really important uh, for young men. And yeah, it's it's kind of unfortunate. It does seem like there's a lot of a negative talk about football, especially for young kids. I mean, I played football, you know, from like sixth grade to eleventh grade, and uh, you know, I got my ass kicked, and I, I'm 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 doing fine, and I think it made me certainly a much better man, well, and uh, I I hope yeah. we can keep pushing forward with it. I know you're a big advocate for youth football. Well, and I encourage you to listen um, to understand the facts. You know, people, you know, you get parents all the time. You know, they always go, oh, I, "I'll never let my." my kids play football, you know, I don't play on hockey or contact sports. I'm like, why? Oh, I don't want them to have CT later. I'm like, well, where did you, where'd you hear that at? Oh, I, I heard it on the news. I go, you heard on the news. I go, well, let me ask you this. Is your son or daughter ride a bike? Yes. Oh, they ride a bike. They wear a helmet. No. Okay. Time out here. <laughs> There's a greater chance of your son or daughter if in wheeled sports. And this is a fact wheeled sports there's a greater chance of death and tragedy and serious brain trauma without a helmet on there than playing contact sports with the environment that exists today. And I say the environment that exists today, that should exist everywhere. You know, you should have um, protocols and the right equipment and the right instruction being taken place. And if it's not, then I would pull my kid out in any sport, if it's not being done right, that we've talked about. But when you look about, our kids playing contact sports, you have to educate and inform yourself. And so the first thing that I try to share with parents is like, okay, let's just understand the development of the brain. 90% of our critical development is done by age five. Okay. So all of us by nine, by five years old, 90% of it has been critical development. Now the next 10% goes until age 25. If it's 25, which is a scientific fact, nobody can sit there and argue that. I mean, maybe a year here or there, but that's the area. Why is it okay if we're not fully developed to start playing at age 13 and 14? Which leads me to when I heard that come out of Boston University, I'm like, okay, they are one. Okay, we already know they're 100% full of crap. <laughs> now they just made it a thousand percent full of crap because who has ever said that has no idea what they're talking about. Why would you now say it's okay at that age when something magically happens? And if you play, if you've coached contact sports or sports period, you know, something happens then. there's a thing called puberty that hits a kid goes from one Oh five to one sixty five in like six months. I've coached teams and everybody's in diapers and next year they're shaving. I'm sorry. And they're 13 and 14 <laughs> and the impacts are so much greater in all my years of coaching youth sports from like 1991 to uh, when my, when my son go to high school, um, there's a good 10, 15 years in there. Right. In the seven years I coached him, I only had two kids that I removed from games because they had a concussion. One was age 13 and one was age 14, nothing in. And when you think of the impacts that happened in those younger years, there's just not enough energy doesn't mean it couldn't happen. I mean, you can have that, you can have that happen on the trampoline or slipping the leading cause of head trauma in the country. I think this is very important for everybody to hear the leading cause of head trauma. There's some 37 million of these every year that, uh, that require um, um, medical attention, 37 million. In fact, it's not even a sport and it's not even a car accident. It's tripping and falling. And the lead, and the biggest groups in there are, kids 15 and younger and the elderly. Now that being said, people will go, you can't say that's not my, like, okay, time out. 
<laughs> something you need to know with the statistic before you start popping off and saying, oh, I don't know what I'm talking about, or you're un- you're uninformed and, y- and you're wrong. The denominator may be one of the most important numbers and part of the equation of a statistic. And if you don't know what a denominator is, people go, well, I don't know statistics, so I don't even know what that is. The denominator is the number at risk, okay, the, or the number that could have been that played or at risk, depending what category you want to look at. So when you look at tripping and falling, who's all at risk in the United States of America? Everyone. 320, exactly, 328 million. You got 41 million that play in all of you sports combined versus 328 million. Okay. So <laughs> that is the leading cause of head trauma. So if you're going to sit there and go, Oh, I don't want my son or daughter to ever have a concussion. Neither do I, by the way, nobody wants their kids to get hurt. That is my priority to make it better and safer. However, wouldn't you rather be educated and informed and empowered that if your son or daughter do have an accident, they do have some type of head trauma that you do the right thing for them. Yeah, which there are treatments and protocols and care that we follow now that allow our kids to be properly cared for and treated. I'll give you a couple of websites too for parents. It's really good for parents to empower themselves so that they know how to care for them, even if it's on the trampoline in the backyard and they or they slip in the shower. Could happen. Rethinkconcussions.com. It's a great website for people to be informed on a what to do if you if you have head trauma where to go get help, the type of help they get, the treatment that's available. My son, I told you he played uh, college football at BYU. He was quarterback. First freshman game, four days, they're playing in the Las Vegas Bowl, slips in the shower, and gets a concussion. He is ineligible. Just because it didn't happen on a football field, he is ineligible. It is four days before his first game, and he oh, can't no. play. And he slips in a freaking shower, the most athletic kid. I was like, <laughs> I, I, I remember thinking, I'm like, when he called me, I'm like, you did what? Now, <laughs> and they went by, not everybody, and listen, that's a dorm room shower too. So everybody who ever lived in a dorm room or did a shower in a dorm room, you know, they are not, I mean, there's a risk there. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah, concussion's they, probably best case scenario. <laughs> you're exactly right. So that being said, um, to sit there and sit there and go, I don't want that to happen. Well, let's just make sure that you understand where it could happen first before you say that. And if you and I listen, if I thought for one second, you know, as I did all my research for my book, Brainwashed, if I had found out it's a 50 50 shot that you could get CT, you know, or this is going to cause cognitive issues later in life, I'd have pulled my son out of, out of football and that'd been his freshman year in college. I'd have ripped him out. I found nothing that says you're going to have cognitive issues later in life. But those aces I told you about, a mountain of evidence blow you away. All of the things that our kids are going through that we're ignoring and that we're blaming something else that we have no scientific facts for. And, and the I'm a- backing it by the science, not, not, not some um, article. In fact, I had a guy in, in the media argue with me um, over it. Now he never read any scientific literature. You know what, you know what this complete incompetent fool gave me to that he claimed was science. He gave me a Sports Illustrated article, and I'm not lying to you. There's your media. There is your so-called just citing themselves. That's yeah. what he said. First of all, he went and got a Sports Illustrated article saying it's a scientific journal. Okay, anybody who's in the <laughs> journal who's doing and giving you that information, they don't even know what the scientific journal is. They say it's Sports Illustrated. Kate Upton's never been on the cover of a listen. scientific journal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it, you know what? So my, my goal with really is parents is to help inform and educate them. I'm not telling you to let your kids play sports, uh, play contact sports. I'm asking you just to open your mind and look at all the facts. If you're going to rob your child of something they really want to do, I, I'd like my son. I'm like, I would to have robbed him of playing football. I'd have robbed him of really developing because it helped him in so many ways as, as a leader and the person that he is to this day and sports does that for so many kids when they're taught, right? We've already talked about that, but educate yourself, inform yourself. And if you sit there and people, Boston university will tell you, okay, the brain jiggles, that is 100% garbage. In fact, anybody who says the brain is jiggling, 
they know nothing about bringing. You better run like crazy and red flags better fly because if anybody is telling you that, they have never spent any time cutting brains or an autopsy looking at how a brain is pulled apart. I have. And that oh, is wow. when I used to hear, I used to hear the brain jiggles all the time. I'm a part. I'm with Dr. Cummings, who helped me write my book, who's a three-board certified forensic professor. We're cutting brains. I'm cutting this. Let me back up. You probably heard, oh, the heat. Kid had suicide, committed suicide. He had a brain of an 80-year-old. Yes. Well, I'm, okay. So I'm, there's a brain. We got five brains sitting on the table. Okay, I know it sounds eerie. I'm sitting there. The only difference is they remind me of mushrooms. Like, they're not all the same, but they all look the same, right? You know, the coloring and everything, the size and shape, were, were the sizes were different. The coloring, very similar, but they weren't all identical. But uh, they, they range from 36 to 101. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I'm like, well, which one's 101? You should be able to tell 101. If I put a 101-year-old face right here and a 36-year-old face here, you would clearly know the difference. So that's what they tell you. That's how they, in the media, that's how they present it to you, right? He's like, there's no such thing. He goes, the ball of the brain really kind of look the same size and shape, maybe a little different. So I start cutting on the smallest one. I, ironically, it's the one that's 101 years old. I asked. Dr. Cummings, I go, how would you know how old that is? So he's like, oh, the secret, the birth certificate, the date of birth. I'm like, oh my gosh. I go, so there's no, he goes, no. I mean, whoever presents that in the media is absolutely, completely lost or they're trying to scare you. So anyway, as I'm cutting through the brain, there's a certain level and I'm spacing, I do it. About my third cut, he goes, oh my gosh, she had a stroke. I was like, what? What How do you know that? And then he walked through this whole thing. But anyway, what I'm getting at, when I went through how our brains, the secure of our, our brain is sitting in our, in our skull, it's wrapped in dura. So it's secured down. Then it has plasticity, which is kind of like an, an, an insulation, if you will, and another protective. And then we really have muscles around our, our skull and our brain, too, to put. And then the bone structure. It is the most protected organ that we have. Can it get jarred by a massive hit? Absolutely. Is it jiggling around when your kids are playing? Absolutely not. That means if you, if that were the case, you couldn't do a roller coaster ride. Yeah. There's some pillow fights. There's trampoline. Greater, greater, there's, don't even go to a trampoline. You're doomed. <laughs> I mean, pillow fights. And then you look at the, the G forces in a pillow fight. Yeah, that's probably more than like a peewee football I'm player. More. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, exactly. I watched my grandkids, five, six, and seven, run a hundred miles an hour across the living room and throw themselves into the couch. <laughs> and I'm like, holy! Bleeding with their head. Bo- Got to get that out of the Boston game. U- <laughs> I mean, Boston University sees this. I mean, what what kind of study they've done on that? <laughs> they are they are corrupt. Boston University is the most corrupt. That's the CT center there. And Anne McKee is one of the most corrupt individuals out there. She she has abused the Hippocratic oath in the most grotesque manners. In fact, it was one of the pieces of, now this is, she's done this over and over again, but the, the piece of literature that sent me over the board as I went through the United States, everybody in this country I could talk to who had high integrity, great credentials, and would speak to me and just give me the truth I spoke to. It even took me up into Canada. And there was a lady that suggested, I read the first scientific paper, which I end up reading which is the spectrum of disease paper written and authored by Anne McKee, Dr. Anne McKee, by the way. Okay. In the conclusion, it states, you cannot use this scientific article or literature to give any sense of degree of CT to professional players or military. Now, the reason it says that is because the methodology, which you have to how they went about it, which I'm not going to get into that. It's too, too complicated. It's just, it's, Actually, if you did this as a, a, in high school and you did it for your senior paper, they'd flunk you because they're like, you can't even, this is garbage. You have no baseline and you're making stuff up. That's how, honestly, that's how bad it was, right? But in the conclusion, that's how they cover their backs. They're like, you, you can't use this because it's 100% garbage. You can't use that to give anybody any sense of degree of the disease. That's what it says. It's written in there. It also starts, uh, mentions, if things can be replicated and duplicated, what they have done it even says in there, well, this is the only truth of the whole paper. 
we might have something. And that's, that's right. Not that we have something. We might have something because that's what happens in science. Let's say you guys do some research. Now it's the other scientists, researchers' obligation to try to replicate and duplicate what you did. If we come up with something very similar, well, sure, we're on our way. Now we can, but we keep doing it, we keep doing it, we keep doing it. If I find the opposite of what you find, we got a problem, okay? In this paper alone, in this study alone, nine other institutions from the Mayo Clinic, Vanderbilt, um, Wisconsin, Har- you name it, great scientific dev- environments, none of them could replicate and duplicate it. In fact, they found the complete opposite. One study was that the band members had greater chance of so-called CT later in life than did anybody who played contact sports. Tuba, man. To, well, wait a <laughs> Well, exactly. Don't even go to the band. I mean, the danger you level up, which goes back. All you got to do is in the medical journals, and this is a fact too, because this is what led to this paper. One third of the of the 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 people who have this pattern, and keep in mind, that's what they call it. They call it a pattern in an observation state. This is the scientific definition of it. It's a pattern in an observation state. They don't know what causes it, and they don't know what it causes. But a third never played sports never had a concussion and never had a history of head trauma. Some of them are ages three and six years old. So you truly can't play, blame any type of um, long, I mean, life abuse you run on them to cause it. So a third, a third existed. So go back to the paper. I read the paper and then the headlines in the media from that paper. Anne was asked about that paper. They go, what do you, what do you think after doing that research? Quote, this is what she tells the media. After doing that research, with the amount of CT we found, I got to believe all NFL players have this. Excuse me, all football players have this. There cannot be a more grotesque lie and an abuse and a misuse of science than to say that from somebody who's not a Hippocratic oath. Now, let's go to the journalist's perspective. Why in the world, if you are a good journalist, I'm going to consider you, even say you're a journalist and not do this, you're not a journalist. You're just somebody who has a pen in your writing. You go to the paper, you read that paper, and you're like, huh. This Anne, doesn't that's not jive. Exactly what, that's, that's all what your paper. I come back to Ann. And your paper says the opposite. Why would you say that? Wasn't done. Never done that. Nobody has. But so they, well, they, their headline is um, landmark study, every football. That, that, there's your headline. That yeah. goes on the evening news. That gets out there. And that's what mom and dad see. Yeah. And I was like, when I read that, okay, that's, that's one of many. And Mickey, I didn't know how the, the people at Boston university or the CT, especially MK Kip and look in the mirror every day, 100% full of crap. Now they use people that are suspecting to have CT and here's their symptoms. They're depressed. All the, all things that people are on depression and anxiety. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I know and a lot of depressed people can, who never played football. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, what's funny. Um, and actually it's really not funny, but the irony, I've had five people that are in my, I would consider my inner circle. They're, oh, they're older. All of them, like one guy just passed away from, um, he just, he spiraled fast once he got diagnosed with dementia. A dear friend of mine, golfer for years, or the sunset dementia. None played sports. They never played sports. They were, but here are things that you have to account for in anybody when you think about health. You have to look at genetics and you have to look at age and you have to look at lifestyle. If you ignore those three things, which by the way, were completely ignored in every study they have ever done to do that is grotesque incompetence and then it's abuse and it's harmful to people. It's deplorable in so many ways because you do harm to people because you scare them versus inform them and, and empower them. That's why I wrote really the book is to give you all the scientific facts. And I encourage people be skeptical of me. Go ahead and do the research. Go ahead and look for it. Go ahead and do it. all the stuff that I'm telling you exists out there. Go look for it. You'll find it. Yeah. When yeah. I wrote that book, I actually used all of their scientific literature. I used all of the information. It isn't like Dr. Cummings and I created some papers and then we're, it's ours versus theirs. I used their stuff. I explained to you what the real facts were. I show you about all the other literature that has been done to try to replicate and duplicate, which none can be done. And I put it in the book, plus give you all the information that you should know for your kids and the environment you are putting them into and what you should do. And if, most importantly, if they do have head trauma, 
how do you care for it? What yeah, what do, do, what do you do? Yeah, well, and it sounds so like. Many, I, I, Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, it, it Bo, cut, I mean, Bo had that, but when by two got that slip in the shower, well, he ended up getting, uh, having that son, a concussion like a year later and just a long story, really, really short. He really never recovered from the one when he slipped in the shower. And, and he'd always kind of explained, he'd always kind of talk about symptoms, but I'm telling you, they were all about allergy type symptoms, right? It was very confusing because we took him to get, I took him everywhere to get looked at and evaluated. And it wasn't until he played Wisconsin, uh, they came into town. He took a hit there. Long story short, ended up taking him to UPMC in Pittsburgh to Mickey Collins. And they identified where he had been concussed. And here's what they do now. They identify where the trauma is. And then they create a cognitive and a physical rehab plan to repair you. It's just like, and here's how it's advanced. You guys, I don't know how old you are, but do you remember when they used to do knee surgeries and you have a zipper and a cast and you'd be lucky if you walk in Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. Now they have four holes and you're walking the next day and rehab. And okay. That's where rehab is now with concussions is that they're finding that. So in 10 days, I'm telling you in 10 days, I remember my brother, whose son I talked about Tristan played at Notre Dame. Now he's at BYU. He called me up. He said, I saw Bo cause he lives closer to Provo. And he said, man, he looks awesome. And I ended up talking to Bo that day and I could hear the clarity in his voice. I'm like, Holy cow, boy, I haven't heard that voice in a year. And it just, it was, it was really empowering to me because see my career ended and I had no treatment. There was nothing other than, Hey, I, they gave me a two year window to recover. That's what they gave me. And that's in 1994. Today things have changed and parents need to know about all of the ways to help. And even if you, and it's not from sports, it could be from accidents. It could be flip, slipping, falling, any type of head trauma. You can have ways to help repair that and recover from it doesn't mean head trauma is not going to cause symptoms and you're not going to have symptoms. They can be dealt with and should be dealt with. And too many times people, they don't even know you can do that. They ignore it or they start going worse. They start going, Oh, I got this now this brain disease, which is absolutely untrue. Yeah. So the book is to help empower people too, with really all the facts of treatment and care too, that are available. Make sure you check that out. Brainwashed uh, available on Amazon as well as find a way uh, Merrill, appreciate your time. Before we let you go, just uh, why don't you throw out a couple things you're excited to see in this 2020 NFL season? Well, I, I'm just actually excited to see just how teams, how, how well, how well they play with you know not having preseason, um, but having a little bigger window to get ready. Um, I think Tampa. I know everybody's focused there because of Brady, but I, see Tom Moore. That guy, you may, you may not hear that name, may not know that name. Tom Moore was my offensive coordinator when I first got into the National Football League. He's one of the greatest minds in football I've ever met or ever known. He orchestrated Peyton Manning's career. When you look at Bruce Arians, who I know very well too, um, Leftwich, who's their quarterback coach there, just a combination of minds in that room. And, you know, people were talking about, oh, Tom Brady, he doesn't fit Bruce Arians' system. I'm like, okay, timeout. If you are talking like that, you do, you have no concept of what's going to take place here. Nobody's walking in there. It's going to be a dictatorship. This is a collaborative effort. You think for a second, no matter how many Super Bowls I had won or how long I'd coach, if I get Tom Brady in my office, I'm saying, Hey, what do you like? What do you like doing? I'm going to lean on you about 20 years of experience and you're inside those white lines. I better make you feel comfortable. And it's funny. I just happened to see Bruce Arians talk the other day. First word out of his mouth. Well, when we collaborated, the first word he said, I was like, so I'm just interested to see how that all comes together. And then that's, that's an interesting one too, just because of the lack of work they're able to do, you know, that, that that's probably going to play a factor. How big a factor? I, I don't know, um, but it'll be interesting to kind of watch that. Well, uh, uh, Merrill, appreciate your time and uh, yeah, make sure you check out his books. I got some reading to do. Sean. Yeah, exactly. Got- <sighs> Got some stuff to catch up on and uh, give him a follow on Twitter at Merrill Hodge. Check out MerrillHodge.com. Merrill, appreciate the time and uh, yeah, enjoy your week. My pleasure. Good being you guys, man. All the best to you. Man, so much we so much ground we covered with the great Merrill Hodge. And uh, as we close things out, make sure to check out Ace Per Head. Sports are back, baby. If you haven't heard, sports are back in a big way. Perfect time to become 
your own sports book. Launch your mm. own sports book. Become a small business owner. Challenge yourself yep. to be great. Don't be don't be the common man who just bets at a uh, sports book. Be uncommon and start your own sports book at aceforhead.com slash SGP. That's aceforhead.com slash SGP. Use that link and get up to six weeks free. Again, Ace sets you up. They give you the all-inclusive professional betting site. All the lines updated the second. Wagers graded immediately. Top-notch customer support. Hell yeah. Some of the sharpest lines in the industry. Live betting and an amazing mobile experience. Ace has you covered. Aceperhead.com slash SGP. Sean, am I allowed to sprinkle a little on to the end of that read? Yeah, go for it. Because you know I like to to tout the partners. Uh, if you are a big time Formula One fan like Ryan Real Money Kramer has turned into, and you're maybe a guy who has a shop and has some F1 customers, lots of opportunity to wager <laughs> on things in, in in the old Formula One space over on Ace. So nice. if you're looking to start that business and, and Formula One's the way to go, I told this to I'll d- take Andretti. Did you know, Colby? Number two watch sport wow. in the world. That makes sense. I've been. I told you I've been to like ten of those races, man. They're they're a good time. Well, you've never have you been to a Formula One race I have. or just like an Indy car race? Uh, what what is the Long Beach Grand Prix? Isn't that, that Formula? That, that's not Formula One. That's, uh, yeah. No, it's Formula One's like it, basically the Formula One drivers call the NASCAR like that's like driving a, a cement bl- box. Like the, it's oh. it's it's a different level. Well, look, I drink so, a lot of I alcohol. I watch I under, cars go well, at really fast speeds, listen, and we, I have we, a lot of fun with that. It would be silly if we were all highbrow. <laughs> so some of us have to dip to the lower. Ra- anyway, Sean, you were yes. saying aceperhead.com. Aceperhead.com slash SGP. Check them out, and uh, yeah, mybookie.ag promo code SGP. Get that hundred percent deposit bonus. Stop sitting on the sidelines. What are you waiting for? Subscribe to the new NBA gambling podcast yes. feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, yes. wherever great podcasts are found. Subscribe to the new soccer gambling podcast feed again, wherever yes. great podcasts are found. And make sure you finish strong with Colby Dant, Patty C, the college experience. And Sean, people are probably wondering, well, what about the sports gambling podcast network feed? Yes. Oh, what about sure. it? Well, we, I mean, obviously, Three Dog Thursday. That's not going there anywhere. Go. That's not going anywhere. I did the, that. I did that show from the bank the other day. That was beautiful. It was great. The, the, the fight show with Billy Bahati breaking down all the, all the main UFC cards and, and big boxing. That's still going to stay. And, and we are announcing a new show. You'll probably hear a trailer for this. If you listen to the other sports gambling podcast shows, sports gambling podcast network shows, but about that action, Sean, yeah. there we go. Uh, I, that's all I'm going to say right now. So make <laughs> sure you subscribe to the sports gambling podcast network feed. We're dropping a new show. Uh, I'm excited for this one. We got some guys in the industry talking shop in the sports industry. You know what I'm excited talking for? shop. I'm excited to get my book brainwashed. The oh. bad science wow, okay. behind so CTE. That was the end the of my plot plug. to destroy football. I see what you're doing there. Colby Colby's going to read on up. my sports gambling I- podcast network <laughs> plug, but yes, you should also get that book because as you know, if you're a listener of the show, uh, by the time you're listening to this, I will be off the grid, getting ready to just completely immerse into nature. And I was originally going to read Football Outsiders, Warren Sharp, prep for the NFL season. But now I'm wondering if I need to get my read on about the brain injury and brainwashed. The bad science behind CTE and plot to destroy football by Merrill Hodge. Okay. Check it out. Great read. Check that. Uh, I assume it's a great read. I got it coming it, in the I mail. Mean, when, I got it coming in the mail right when now. Merrill Hodge was talking about actually handling brains. I, I I tried to get it in, but I was like much like uh, Chuck Knoll yelling at you to go the extra mile and, and those extra effort plays, those uncommon plays. He appears to have that same approach when it comes to research and uh, shoving uh, bad junk CT science yeah. into a locker. Yeah, so kudos, Merrill. Definitely a guy who has leveraged the locker to uh, <laughs> prove a point. <laughs> Uh, yes. Let's let's get out of here, Sean. Some of us got stuff to do. <laughs> Thank you for participating in the Sports Gambling Podcast. And for the Sports Gambling Podcast, I'm Sean Stacking the Money Green, and he is Ryan. By the time you're listening to this, you should have already followed Kramer Centric on Instagram. But I have <laughs> dropped the eighth, the eighth picture, which is pretty yeah. magical. Pretty magical. So is that uh, with the iPhone too? Please enjoy. That's impressive. Kramer, let it ride.